They are new. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many can say a big amen to that? God bless you. Let's turn together to Luke chapter 15, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Amen. And remember, this is Rabbi Jesus. So if you were sitting under the teaching of this rabbi, I wonder how you'd view lost and found, since he's in charge of the lost and the found department. So lost in the way that Jesus teaches it in his parables and the other two is out of circulation away from the flock, and in this instance, away from the Father. So in the way that the world thinks it, when you get time sometime, take your Bible software program and type in the word lost for the New Testament and see how many times you find it. You'll probably be overwhelmed how few times it's mentioned. You know why? Because they didn't preach the denominational version of it. They preached the original New Testament version of lost. So whenever we think about being lost, were we lost? Absolutely. Now don't misunderstand me. Our bodies are still lost from eternity. In other words, we're out of circulation from eternal life. Right? We're lost from eternity or eternal, but we're fixing to be brought back into circulation again. Amen. Let's pray together. How many like to be remembered tonight before the Lord? God bless each of you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious, wonderful words. To us, they are words of life. Thank you, dear God, for expounding on such marvelous truths when you were here upon the earth. Lord, as we approach you tonight, we certainly want to bring thanksgiving and praise and honor, first of all. That's what we're taught, the way we should open our prayers. You've done so much for us. Lord Jesus, if you stopped and never done another thing for any of us, we have no right to complain about anything. You've answered so many prayers, kept us so many times, and many of them we probably didn't even know it, wasn't even aware of it. But we want to say thank you. And then, Lord, we bring our petitions, our desires before you. You saw the needs of your children. 
signified by uplifting of a hand. Lord, I hold in my hand tonight this prayer cost, dear God, for our sister over in Virginia. You see the need in her body. We're asking you, Lord, that you would just move for her. Other people, Father, that'd be out streaming the service, maybe in their home or on the job or wherever they would be. May the presence of God move for each of their needs. Now we're needy tonight, Lord, looking at your words. Now most of the people, no doubt, if they've been saved very long at all, they've read this scripture that we've just opened up with tonight. And the others that we will read, but yet we know it takes you to make the scriptures real. So we pray that you would help us, that we can do one of the hardest things we will ever do in our lives, and that is be willing to lay aside our tradition, to be able to hear the illuminated word and see what it will do to us. Speak to us tonight, Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. So let me ask you this question. You think the early church believed in the sovereignty of God. Sitting under the teaching of this um, rabbi, if you wish to call him that, this teacher, um, you definitely would come up with a different understanding than all the people, the rabbis, the teachers that would have been in that day. Now let's go just for a few moments, if we can, before we pick up on the prodigal son into the very mind of God. It's a very hard realm for us to walk into because we've never ventured there on our own. We wouldn't even know hardly anything about the mind of God if it was not for actually a prophet in this day. Since the Old Testament nor the New, neither one mentions the words mind of God. So neither scriptures from the Old Testament or the New actually tells us, well, God thought about this, and God thought about that, and God thought about that before the foundation of the world. So we would have to come to this day when God caught another seer into the channel of the fourth dimension. Now we know that God, when he created the dimensions, he made seven, light, matter, time, science, where the unbeliever goes, where the believer goes, and where God is. And we know that God, knowing that man would fall, that man would need to access several of those dimensions. So God reserved part of them for himself, part of them to be later revealed in time. But God started using the fourth dimension early on. Now the fourth dimension is science. So it's where diseases actually begin. It's part of the realm where that a lot of you that go to different laboratories and study different things, you're actually studying as far as limited knowledge and understanding will be able to take you into the realm of the fourth dimension. But there is another aspect of the fourth dimension which is called vision. And actually television breaks into that somewhat by the ether waves being able to make images, sounds, and so on to be able to travel. But there is another realm of vision which is prophetic. 
And that now, all of us don't have access into that. Now, maybe some of you have had visions in your life and you will be able to have one or two or three or four. It doesn't make you a prophet or me a prophet, but God just for a moment will open up our ability and we'll be able to see things. God's allowed me a few times to see visions, but I'm by no means a prophet. But a prophet is made so that he can be able to break into that realm with his eyes wide open. Now, he's having a dream, sort of like you and I are, because all of us, most of our conscience, first conscience and subconscious, lays pretty close together. That is, if you're a dreamer. Some folks don't dream, so their first conscience and subconscious is farther away, and they don't have access to be able to tap in it. So, those of you who dream, some of you dream, and some of you actually dream in color. Some of you dream very, very vividly, and you dream so real that you feel like every dream you have, Oh, it just has to be supernatural because it is so real. All that means is your first conscience and your second one's real close together. Some of your pinto bean dreams ain't no more real than my asparagus dreams are or broccoli dreams or whatever I'm having nightmares about. But there is another realm now which God would use a prophet. Then that prophet would have the ability to be able... Now remember, he cannot produce his on his own no more than you can say, dream me a dream. Or you can say, well, tonight now I'm going to bed and I'm going to dream a dream about heaven. Well, good luck with that. You know, I'm going to dream a dream about this or that or the other. No, it just doesn't work that way. And it's the same way with prophets in seeing visions. Then they don't have the ability. All they can do is surrender themselves. And as it was, as we saw so much in this day, that the people would pull on the gift of God and they would pull Brother Branham into that realm of the fourth dimension. But it was like him pulling up over the fence and raising himself up. What do you see? Oh, I, I see a, I see a giraffe, and I see an elephant, and he come back, uh, 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 and he's pulling himself up. I, I see a zebra in the inner circle, and I see. But when God picks him up, God just said, "Here," picks him up like this, reaches him up, looks over there. There's the garden. Here's this. Here's the master of the ceremony. Here's this, that, the other. Now, either way, he's breaking into the fourth dimension. So Brother Random could see a woman as she walks up to him in the platform, and he says, I see you as a little girl. I see you running home from school. You've got on a yellow checkered dress. There's a dog after you. You run up on the porch, come through the screen door, and you're afraid that fear has bothered you all of your life. Now, here he is standing in time, but like that, he reverses and goes back when this woman was a little girl. Then God fast forwards him back up to the present again into the future and sees her. But thus saith the Lord, you're healed. So he would be able to rewind, fast forward and come to the present in an instant like that. Now, God designated then certain men down to the ages called prophets that would have the ability to see the supernatural. Praise the Lord. So God now in that way, God allowed our prophet of this age to be able to break into the mind of God and able to tell us things that God actually was thinking about and things that he had in his mind. For example, that God wanted to become tangible. He wanted to become a human being. 
And the whole purpose was God becoming natural, normal, becoming a human in order to express himself. So when we think about the mind of God, the mind of God to most, you know, most Christians that think about it, my goodness, what can you understand about that? Well, apparently God wanted us to break into his mind in this day. So he allowed this man with this type of vision to break into the supernatural and peer into that and see what was there and come back and tell us the lamb was slain in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. And then be able to pull up again and rise up and see by vision and say, whenever he slayed the lamb, he wrote your name right there beside the lamb's name. And then the father would take him back down again. Then he'd pick him up and, and he'd say, now let us step up on the banister. Question answers in Genesis 1953. I'd like for the church to take a journey with me and let's step up on the banister. Now I want you to be able to follow him and let us leave the tabernacle now. And he, we watch it as the stars whirl and we see him spin out there in space. And what's he doing? I believe with all of my heart he's seeing it. And as he comes back and he preaches in about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he actually saw Adam walk out with Eve. He actually looked by vision. He said he come to himself at the end of that service and he come to himself and he said he saw Adam standing out there and he said he saw Eve, the most beautiful woman, standing there with blonde hair and blue eyes. That ain't technicolor, that's vision color. Praise be to God. Why you say, well, you mean you believe that? I absolutely do. If God could show John a city, he could show Brother Branham a man and a woman. You imagine whenever he saw Elijah, whenever he's preaching the five comings of Elijah, he said he actually stood out there and he saw Elijah step out by himself. Then he saw him step out in the form of Elisha. Then he saw him step out as John the Baptist. Then he saw him come again in Malachi 4. And then he saw him step out with Moses in the last day. He saw all five comings of Elijah by vision. Why? Because God knew we would need that. Now for the majority of the world who do not believe in prophets or do not see the need of a prophet, they will take those statements. I don't believe that. Don't mean nothing to me. Well, I agree. It's not for them. But it is for us. Amen. Just like it would have been with Moses. But Brother Donnie, you're, you're taking just one man's word. I understand. Just like I'm taking one man's word that God came down on the mountain and wrote the Ten Commandments with his finger. Now was CNN there? Was CBS there? ABC? NBC? There was one man called Moses, but I happen to believe what he had to say. And I know you do as well. So now it apparently was important to reach the position of the elect in the last day of helping them see who they are, that predestination and election and foreknowledge would actually be taken into a sphere that would soar higher than it had ever been before. Not contrary to scripture now, absolutely in the very scripture of the word of God. So in the mind of God, God knew that the devil would be the devil before he ever made him Lucifer.
Praise the Lord. God knew that the world would be lost. He knew that the world would never, as far as the majority of the world, ever come around. And he knew that. But you were lost only in Adam, not in Christ. You were lost only in time, not in eternity. But now remember the same with your body now. I said that our bodies are lost from eternity, but they are on their way to be redeemed back into the full cycle of eternity again. So now whenever the Lord Jesus sets forth these parables, he's showing us a heavenly view of what it means to be lost and found. Now remember a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So in that you might take an earthly something that would seem very, very carnal or very, very earthy on the earth, but yet he would be able to merge into it a divine meaning. As you said, these three parables in depth, you'll find out the saving is very similar, the losing is very similar, and he would give it from a heavenly view and then give it from an earthly view and merge all three of them together, and they give such a beautiful, distinct picture of the redemption of the saint of God. Now, remember, as the Lord Jesus is the one giving this, it goes beyond debate. It's not up for argument. Praise the Lord. It's not up to be discussed. Well, I really don't go along with that. My mama, uh, we're not talking about your mama. We're talking about what Jesus said. Now, this one, it's, it's different, of course, than the sheep and the coin. Let's look again in Luke 15, 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falleth to me. Now, I want you to notice now immediately in the way that Jesus sets verse 12. And he sets it in the way that we are all born. And also this will parallel to an individual that is backsliding and getting cold on God. And that is that self becomes the main focus and when self becomes the main focus then it doesn't matter who you hurt how deep you hurt them it doesn't even matter the consequences of what you're going to go through when you become so self-centered then Satan so anoints yourself and yourself becomes a pivotal point of everything in your entire world so God is not that your family is not that church is not that nothing else is it is you anointed with the devil and the devil loves to anoint people that are self oriented because that's the way he was and that's the way he is can't you see why God so hates this type of a thing? Actually, there's nothing baser, nothing, absolutely nothing baser, nothing lower than a human being focusing entirely on themselves and totally denying everything else around them and everybody else because it is the chief of satanic attributes because that's exactly what he did. Now, remember the devil didn't start sneaking around in heaven and cussing and the devil wouldn't sneak around with a pack of pale males on the side and Whenever the Lord would turn his back, the devil would sneak over and smoke him about three or four. Or the devil would sneak a little bit of wine. It wasn't none of that. But the devil in his pride got lifted up and went over into the north side of heaven and started preaching. How did he do it? In his pride. But remember, it wasn't pride because of anything necessarily he had done. He had made no stars, made no angels, made no cherubims, no seraphims, no zoos. 
it wasn't that he had this great success story. I'm a great success. I've done this and that and the other and I've accomplished so much. No. You see, this type of pride, the person who does this can be one of the most miserable wretches. Total failures in their life. But their pride is because of them. It has nothing to do with really what they've accomplished. And what they've accomplished only adds more to this type of a pride. But Satan had done absolutely nothing. He'd done absolutely nothing in comparison to God. But yet it was so about himself. So it was a self-centeredness. Now notice how Jesus begins to relate this now with the prodigal son. And the younger of them said to himself, notice, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falleth to me. And he divideth unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now watch, he becomes the very focal point of everything. He doesn't think about hurting his father. He doesn't think about hurting his brother. Uh, the scripture doesn't mean anything about the mother. He doesn't think about the servants that are in the home. He's talking about himself. He's thinking about himself. He's not even thinking realistically because he's not even considering the consequences that are going to follow. Now we all know of course that this was Adam in the way that Adam walked away from the full inheritance of what God gave him. Every one of us were born actually in this state. So we are born selfish. We are born rotten. We're born hogs. We're born hopeless and helpless. Y'all didn't like that, did you? Well, it's the truth. You're lower down than a snake. You ain't no good. You ain't no count. That's why you need the grace to save you. Praise the Lord. Now, then, the person that begins to focus on this me, 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 I want, I want, oh, it's all about me, I'm tired of doing this for everybody, and I'm tired of doing that for everybody else. I want to do some of the things I want to do. The worst thing that they can ever move into, it is a gulf that they cross that is almost imbreachable without the mercy of God, because it is the ultimate of personal satanic anointing. When the devil anoints people, People to drink when he anoints him to smoke. Now Satan will never drink himself. He's never smoked a cigarette. He never does anything like that at all. But when he gets people under the auspices of selfishness, they are bearing the very image of the serpent in their actions because it was the ultimate of what he did against the kingdom of God. So it was all about him. He wanted to exalt his throne above the stars of God. I will be like the Most High. Yea, I will this. I will that. I will something else. So this, every one of us now are born like this. Can Happy Valley still say amen? Amen. You can say, oh, me too, if you want to. It's okay to go along with it. But now, we're all born with that. And the Spirit of God, can't you see why it takes the Spirit of God to come to us? We could never come to God on our own with all that I will around us. You'd never do it. You absolutely would never do it without the grace of God intervening on your behalf. And He doesn't just do that for the elect. He does that for the whosoever will. They have to have that too. If not, there's no way that ever be one 
one person ever be saved because we're born so lost. I don't think we understand it, friends. I don't think we understand how lost we were. We were impossibly lost. We were so far away from God. Had God in his mercy not determined to save us, this is why the devil felt like he had the whole thing. Being able to inject himself into the human race and every mortal born thereafter, especially after the merging together of the seed lines in Genesis 6, Satan felt like he had the whole thing wrapped up. Go ahead, God, get you a Moses and I'll tell you what I'll do with him. I'll turn him into a murderer. Go ahead, get you a Jacob. I'll turn him into a deceiver. Go ahead, get you whoever you want to get. Call you a David. That's all right with me. Get you one. I'll turn him into an adulterer. I'll turn him into a man who will number the congregation. Get whoever you want to get. Get you a Joshua. I'll turn him into a man that compromises and don't really weigh out the Gibeonites to measure. Get whoever you want, God. When it's all said and done, they're all mine. But God said, that's what you think. I've got a plan. And before there's a man, I had a plan. And before there's anybody lost, I had a cross. Where was it? In his mind. Now you see, when the prodigal moves over into this cycle, Satan knows, of course he's got him. What's he going to do? It's absolutely amazing when a person enters into this, that they become so resolute. And the resolute things that they choose are absolutely self-destructive. But it's as if though the consequences to themselves and to everyone else does not even matter. You know why? They're insane. You understand, every person on the earth tonight that is not filled with the Holy Ghost is in temporary insane. They're mad. Praise God. The only ones that's in the right mind tonight is the ones that's got the Holy Ghost. Why, anybody in the right mind wouldn't do what these people do, knowing they're going to, all the consequences that'll be brought upon them, plus meet God and send it to watch on judgment and do it for a few years of pleasure to be burned for a thousand years or 10,000 or however long it'll be, and you would do that for 20 years of fun? Oh, my. Well, praise the Lord. How many come to have church tonight? Now you see when selfishness reaches this and it places man across the gulf. Man is born beyond, of course, that gulf anyway. But then once his will, his choice kicks in and he starts utilizing his choice of life. What he wants to do, how he wants to behave, words he wants to use, friends he wants to be around. Then as man starts utilizing his free moral agency, which we love so much and think is so wonderful. And whenever we start doing that, then the more we become on the very pivotal point of our selfishness, it's the more we're surrendering to the devil. And the more we surrender and a worse entanglement that we get, whether we are lost or a backslider, either way. But Jesus uses this as the epitome of the young boy in the way that he comes forth. I want my inheritance. As a matter of fact, Daddy, I wish you was dead. But since you ain't dead, go ahead and give me my living and I'll get out of your face and you can get out of mine. I don't like it around here no more. I don't 
don't like it. You're playing Brother Branham. You go to church and you sing religious songs and, and you won't let me hang up my rock and roll posters in my bedroom and you won't let me do what I want to do. I don't feel comfortable anymore. Devils generally don't, but the Holy Ghost is. You see, friends, one of the worst ignorances that we possess as humans is the ignorance of ourself. Not knowing who you really are and not really knowing your weaknesses and being honest with yourself. And thinking you're in control when you're dabbling in sin. You're very ignorant. Well, come on, preacher. I can preach and say amen. You know I can, but it just takes twice as long to do it. So one of the greatest ones that we can have is when we, oh, I'm fine, I'm in control. How many times have I heard that? How many times have I heard people say, oh, Brother Donnie, I never intended to to wind up like this. Of course not. You think the devil is going to show you the end result? He's going to show you the caramel topping and the, the sweet, delicious covering of sin initially to entice you. He ain't going to show you land up somewhere with all types of diseases or sin around you and God nowhere to be found around you and your family's gone. Everything else is gone. You think the devil's going to show you that? No way. But he's going to show you the pleasures of sin and the enticement of sin. But oh, hallelujah. Thank God for grace that's able to reach down beyond what even the devil could comprehend that God could do. Notice in verse 13, not many days. Uh Uh-huh. Now here we see the attribute of the slick car trader. He's able to add enough oil into that engine which the the rods are knocking. Or he's done it long enough to where he knows some special additives that he can be able to indoctor up that engine to seal the rings only temporarily until he convinces you this is a great deal of a car. Until the first oil change. If you make it that far. Then you realize you got burned up. Now, not many days. Isn't it amazing? It didn't go months and years and decades. But not many days after the younger son gathered all together. And took his journey into a far country. Now you realize a far country spiritually is not actually very far at all. It only begins with the alienation of the human heart away from God. Now you imagine all these beautiful little innocent babies that we dedicate to the Lord. And mother and father brings them up and lays them in my arms and I pray over them and ask God to watch over them and help the mom and dad. And that little child so beautiful, so innocent, so carefree. But watch in a few years as time goes and watch the nature of that father, that mother, maybe a grandparent. You know, maybe it's got a temper and sometimes they don't wait till they're five or six years old and they start kicking and screaming and squalling. That's right. 
But you start seeing that thing come out in the child. And as it gets older, it starts making choices. For what? Choices by which to alienate the heart even farther away from God. Now if you can imagine, you're born far away anyway, all the way across the breach. On the other side of humanity is on this side, divinity is on that side, and you're born over here lost. Then as you start making choices, you go deeper and deeper and deeper into the land of alienation. And then you're getting farther away from God. Run the parallel the same way to a backslider. A backslider stops reading the Bible, stops coming to church, and all. They stop listening to tapes. They really don't have time anymore to do it. And the heart becomes alienated, and they start moving into a far country. What's amazing is they can still be sitting right in the pew. But their heart has already drifted into a far country. Praise the Lord. And he took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now the Greek word for riotous means to do in such a way as to save nothing or treat it wastefully. Now, you know this guy, he's able to count, surely, and he's able to see that he's only got so much, but yet he spends it as if though there is an unlimited supply. Now, notice his senses, his perception of reality as he is left away from the Father's house. Look at what he's doing. The traces of spiritual insanity are showing up. So he leaves and he lives high on the hog as we'd say and he spends this money my like it's an unlimited resource and yet he's coming up spending more and more and more. Every time he'd go to a bar he'd buy everybody a drink. Oh man, they'd just treat everybody. Yes sir, boy he had friends all around him, all kinds of buddies and pals. Yeah, I'm sure you would if you'd done that sort of thing. But yet in reality he's got his bag on his side and he takes it out and looks at Juan all right, I'm okay, it's okay. How typical, typical. Absolute, total insanity. Insanity because being away from the Father's house to guide and help Him, He now has no restrictions. I want to do whatever I want to do. I want to go to bed when I want to go to bed. I want to get up when I want to go to bed. I'm throwing that alarm clock, that alarm clock into the river. Don't you never tell me to get up or go to bed or brush my teeth or change my socks again. Well, go ahead, you polecat. That's what you're going to smell like. I tell you, Brother Don, I get tired of being told what to do. Well, I don't mind telling you. You might as well just face up to it. You're going to be told what to do every day of your life. The government's going to tell you how much tax you owe them at the end of the year. As a matter of fact, they're going to tell you before the end of the year because they're going to assess your check and they're going to tell you the FICA tax, the local tax, this tax, that tax, chewing gum tax, coke tax, all kinds of tax. Because it's tax, tax, tax. That's just the way it is. And so and so, I'll tell you one thing, I don't like restrictions. Well, if you rent your own apartment, more than likely, you know what you're going to do? You're going to have to sign you an agreement. I agree. I will not do so and so. I will not do so and so. I will not do so and so. And if I do so and so, I will forfeit my family thousand dollar deposit. What's the matter, saints? You go sign up for electricity in your apartment and you sign another agreement and you pay what? A deposit. Just in case you don't pay your bill. Well, then you drive by a Ford lot or a Chevy lot, whichever you are, and you see a new vehicle there. I want a new car. 
heart. We'll go right ahead. Go in there and sign up. But you know what you'll have to do? If you've got to finance that car, you're going to have to make more promises. Oh, and think of you. You thought you could walk up on the Cadillac lot and say, any, meeny, miny, mo. Which one do I want? Let it go. And you say, I want that one. Okay, well, let's uh, No, 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 no. Y'all are supposed to give it to me. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, you're the king of nuts. Enjoy your kingdom. Friends, there's restrictions. There's laws. There's codes. There's do's and don'ts. Unless, of course, you live in Alaska. Don't expect me to come see you. So this prodigal now enters into this spot. Oh, well, oh, praise God. I'm not telling you, I'm just, man, alive. You talking about the life. Boy, this is what I dreamed about all my life. Oh, no. I'm broke. Hey, old buddy, old pal. Them old buddies and old pals ain't nowhere to be seen when you ain't buying the pot. When you ain't buying the beer. Come on now, don't sit there and look at me like y'all know what I'm talking about. Saints love you when you ain't lovable. Sinners don't love you when they say they do. But you're dumb enough to believe them. You're dumb enough to believe them people actually love you for what? Real believers are the only ones that can really love. But we have to love sometimes tough love. And we'll say no. We'll say absolutely not. You don't love me. No, we're some of the only ones that do love. God loves and sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says shut up. Sometimes he says wait a while. Other times he says bend over you're getting a whooping. Why? Because he loves us. But the devil says go get drunk. Go get high. Go get whatever you want. Then he calls the cops on you. Anybody that would serve him is mentally retarded. Look, friends, every subject the devil has is insane. Now, why in the world he'd want nothing but a bunch of nuts? It's more than I can comprehend, unless, of course, he's kind of, you know, that way himself. Well, praise the Lord. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine. Wow. Isn't this master something? So he waits till all your money is gone and then a famine arises. Yeah, that's, that's the being I'm describing. There's always a famine in the land of forgetfulness about God. So his living started getting away. Getting away. And then suddenly, it's all gone. Oh no. It's all gone. Then he goes out and says, Hey, buddy, hey, you spot me five? Are you kidding? There's a famine in the land. You know how much bread is now? You know how much corn is? You know how much 
but I, I, I thought we was buddies. I thought, well, that's what you get for thinking. I just hung around you because you had free beer for a while. Oh, now, wait a minute. You, you said you, well, and I was drunk when I said that. Come on. Friends, sin is a hard master. And the servants of sin always find it out sooner or later. Oh my goodness, the prodigal learned the hard way, Brother Terry. You can't enjoy things that money buys until you learn how to be able to enjoy things money can't buy first. Most of us have probably gotten more stuff now than we've ever had in our lives. Are we more happy? Are we more stressed with more stuff? Some of y'all that's raised poor, you remember the toys you had when you was a kid? How poor you was, you swing on a grapevine or, you know, take a wire and put on a wheel and push it around. Some, some of them's nodding their heads. Some of you sitting there thinking, poor old people, poor old people. But wonder, are we more happy now? We've got more stuff. We've got more things. And we've got more stress. We've got more trouble. We've got more heartaches. Praise the Lord. So all of a sudden, Life in this foreign country isn't what he thought it would be. Oh, my. The boy now is hungry. Now he's forced to do for a stranger what he would not do for his father, and that is work. Now, I know works don't bother some of you all. You all could lay right down beside it and go to sleep and it don't bother you none. Some of you's allergic to work. Just Paul said if you don't work, you don't eat. Some folks have got the mentality of the church ought to keep them up. Look, we are not a welfare department. The first church age welfare department was if you don't work, you don't eat. That's good social security. Right. So what happens to him? Now his dreams and what he thought freedom was and joy and oh my, I've always wanted to drink. I've always wanted, oh my. I've heard people talk about, oh, I just imagine, I just imagine what it would be like. And now he's got it. Except now he's addicted to some of these things. And he doesn't have any money to feed the addiction. So maybe he sees a sign in town. So let's reverse for a moment. He's a rich man's boy. Lives in a nice home. Nice name. Nice inheritance. Nice character. Falls. Trades it off. Now he's out in the world. Falls away from that original image. And now he's trying to find and search and hunt. So now, instead of living in a nice home, he's homeless. Instead of sitting at a fair, sumptuous table, now he's hungry. Instead of having security and a sense of a warm home and a loving atmosphere, he has nobody. So he walks by a store standing out. I will work for food. A rich man's boy. 
Do you understand spiritually? That's where you were before God found you. I will drink for a little peace. I will smoke pot for a little bit of relief from my stress and my trouble. I'll shoot up for a little bit of enjoyment of life to get all this, all this out of my mind. I'll do whatever I can do to be able to find a little bit of peace. Jesus sent either a book or a tape or a gospel preacher or somebody to be able to witness to you and say, Hey, I know a man who's hiring. And he ain't a hog farmer neither. So maybe Brother Daly walks by and he stands there and he stands there and he's so hungry he can't hardly stand it. And he walks by a shop window and said, need help at once. Go out of town, make a left by the sycamore tree. Then go down so many farms. You'll come down to the branch, go over the hill, and you'll see the farm. So he follows the path. And when he gets out there, he knows, he knows. Before he ever gets to what kind of farm it is. It's a hog farm. And a hog been one of the lowest animals that you can talk to a Jew about. So now he takes up feeding the hogs. Working for the devil and doing for the devil lower than what his daddy would ever ask him to do. This is the boy that refused to work. This is the boy that was not going to be told what to do because he wanted liberty and freedom. So now the devil's got him slopping hogs. You imagine every day when the devil would say, Hey, how you doing? How you enjoying your new peace? Oh, friends, I can't stand that devil. Oh, my. Lord Jesus. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now you imagine he chooses rather to feed at a hog trough instead of his father's table. And he would have vain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. Now, this is you and I before we get saved. Your husk was your cigarettes. Yeah. Your drugs, your alcohol, your sexy clothes, ladies. Whatever it was you was feeding on, from the hog lot of sin. Praise God. But mercy's got another verse. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Notice now how Jesus changes this. Now he jumps from no man would have given to him. Now he says, and when he came to himself. So where was he up to this time beside himself? Sin is a temporary madness. So he come to himself. Now notice he didn't come to his daddy. 
He come to himself. Amen. Amen. So where was he then? He was out of his mind. Now he finally starts telling himself the truth. The same truth his daddy told him. The same truth maybe his brother told him. The same truth maybe the rabbi told him before he left church. The same truth the Sunday school teacher told him. And the deacon told him. Now he starts telling himself that truth. What am I doing? How did I get here? I can't believe I've ended up like this. Now I want you to notice, friends, this guy still ain't too spiritual yet. When he came to himself, he said, Oh, I'm lost without God. I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I need to repent. I need to get right with God. I need to go up and get Brother Donnie to baptize me. How many hard servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare? You understand what got his attention first? His gut. This God right here, when he speaks, we tend to listen. Come on. Yours ever growl and talk back to you? What do you do? Bless him out? No, you feed him. Come on now. So he actually, Brother Larry, doesn't start at, oh God, I, I've come to myself. I realize what a spiritual mess. No. It was the natural settings around him which made him so miserable and so hungry. I love the way God does things. God don't always use angels. God don't always use great supernatural phenomena. In this case, the growling of a belly. God knows how to make your bed hard. God knows how to make your food not taste good. Well, praise the Lord, saints. God knows how to make the very things you are in make you so miserable and God turn right around and use the very things that the devil tried to use again to it and then God turn them right on the plan of the devil and you go to smoking your cigarettes and all of a sudden they go to making you sick and you go to shooting yourself up and go to doing this and that and other and all of a sudden you don't do no more what it used to do. Ha oh, ha, that sounds like my daddy at work again. Oh, hallelujah. How many hard servants of my fathers have bread and enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. Nothing spiritual about this. So you got children lost? Husbands, wives? I'll tell you why some of them ain't back in. You keep praying mercy on them. Oh, God, please. Oh, God, don't let nothing happen to him. Oh, God, don't. God, God, please. You're going to make up your mind where you want them saved or not. If you want them saved bad enough, you'll say, God, whatever you got to do, I want you to reach them. Let their food taste horrible. Let their bed be like a rock. May their job turn against them, the boss turn against them, whatever you got to do, God, to get their attention. But oh, no, we think we love them so much. Oh, I'd never do that, Brother Donnie. You know why you don't? Because you don't understand the truth. If you understood the truth, you'd be more concerned about their soul than the comfort of their body. God, if you've got to bring them flat to their back, God, whatever you've got to do, bring them in. Now, oh, I love this. The prodigal's real nature, brother there. The real nature. This wasn't him. 
No, this is not him. This is not who he's supposed to be. He was a son. The prodigal, the title prodigal that we give to him is only a temporary status. Who he was was a son. Who he was was a seed. The term prodigal is only temporary. I don't care what you're going through tonight as a believer. you got to look at it and say it's only temporary. Old age, it's only temporary. Back pain, it's only temporary. Oh, hallelujah. A headache, it's only temporary. So now the prodigal's real nature stands face to face with his condition. How did I get here? His condition brought him to his senses. And you know what he begins to realize? He begins to see his end if he does not change. Y'all remember when God started dealing with you? Oh, he may have dealt with some of you several, several times before you finally committed to God. Billy Andrews told me many, many years ago, many of you remember Brother Billy Andrews, and he told me about it several times as I went to preach for him. And God spoke to him. He's sitting at a bar stool. Some of y'all probably heard him tell it. Sitting at a bar stool. Sitting there drinking. And the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, this is your last chance. Well, when you leave, reach the last one for the seed. That's the only one you need. You don't need no more. That's your last one. Because you'll turn from there and never go back. You imagine God coming in a bar room? You imagine God coming in a brothel? Or God coming in some church? Which is sometimes worse than the bar room. Oh, friends, there's as many devils gathered in churches as there are bar rooms. Sometimes the hardest place you ever try to get people to repent. I'll tell you one thing several years ago, I preached in a prison. Some of the saints are here with me. Oh my, I went right there and preached to hardened criminals and watched the Spirit of God deal with their hearts. The next morning, I preached at a local message church. I had better outcome, better flow of the Spirit of God in that prison than I did that church. They sat on me. They didn't say amen. They didn't move at all. I said, Lord, take me back to jail. Take me back. <laughs> Take me back to the prison. Oh my goodness. Why? You imagine. We don't want our church to become like that. We don't want our church to become a, a, a den for a bunch of demons. Hallelujah. We want our church to be a place the Holy Ghost can move. Where the lost can be saved and people can be healed and delivered. I want you to notice what she says here in verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's? He still has a recollection that there's a Father God. Now, he as yet does not claim that he's still a son or that he has any claim upon him as a son. But the first stage of grace is realizing he is your father, a merciful, loving father. And he finally begins to realize, what what, what took me so long? 
what took me so long? I wasted years of my life being I said, what? And he finally told himself the truth. Son, look at yourself. You're lost. You're lost. But now remember, he was not a pig. He was not a hog. That's not what Jesus taught. He was an out-of-circulation son. He uses the term father. But he says about himself, I am not worthy to be called your son. But I will still make the claim that you're a father. Just let me be a servant. You're the father. Not of money. Not of rings and jewelry and gold. You're the father of mercies. I claim you as the father of mercies. I'm willing to be a servant. I'm not worthy even to be a son. Oh, has it come to this, has it? Once anywhere away from home is where he wished to be. But now the very sound of home. To be a slave at home sounds so wonderful. As you've heard the story of a preacher coming home from a meeting, riding the train. A young man sitting by him tries to track up a conversation. The boy don't want to talk. Preacher keeps trying. Boy still won't talk. He said, I really don't want to talk. He said, what's the matter, son? He said, I'm a minister. He said, well, I got a good mom and dad. Sometime back, I got wild, rebellious. Then dad got in an argument. I struck him. I hit him. He said, son, you're going to have to leave. You can't stay here like that. He said, but preacher, some time ago I found Jesus. And I wrote my mom and daddy and asked them if they'd let me come back home. I'd be riding this train. And if it's okay for them to let me know, he said, son, I, I don't understand. He said, how are you going to know? He said, preacher, I've lived by these railroad tracks all my life. He said, there's a big apple tree up by our house. And I told daddy, if it's all right, we'd pass our house first and then we'd come up to the stop and I'd get off the train. I told daddy, if it's all right, <laughs> hang a white rag out there in that tree. apple tree and I'd know it'd be all right. They kept going down the road, the track, and the guy, real nervous, he said, what is it, son? He said, preacher said, we're getting close. He said, I just can't stand to look. You look for me. They went on down the track of ways and he said, son, you ain't got nothing to worry about. He said, that apple tree looks like it's in full blossom. There's white rags tied in that tree. And he said, not only that, I see a mom and a daddy standing out there waving a big old bed sheet. Come on back home, son. Come on back home. So friends, let me ask you, where's the person handing out tracts 
at the hog lot? Where's the preacher with the tent? Where's the gospel singer? Where's all the people that's doing something or another to make this boy come back? Now, we're not against any of that. We know that. But we know unless the Spirit of God is drawing with people's hearts, our effort and our work is in vain. Who is it that's down there preaching to the boy? The boy come to himself. Oh, my. Isn't it amazing that whenever he starts back, Brother Darren starts reminiscing about what was at home. It wasn't like everything at home had changed. Everything at home was pretty much the same as it was when he left. But then it seemed humdrum and monotonous and he didn't like it. But now it seems so precious and so sacred. What's happening? The boy's being changed. Home is not being changed. The boy's thinking is being changed. He thought, I'll always be a sinner. I'll always be this or that. But maybe one day pass by a church sign out there. Where will you spend eternity? Or God so loved the world and something began to deal with his heart. What was it? The foreknowledge of God. The mercy of God. Dealing with that wayward son or daughter of God's heart. Oh, it might not have happened instantaneously. But God knew exactly the path he was leading you down to the pass back to the house I will arise I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him father I have sinned against heaven and before thee. This is a true repentance and confession. Oh my, I get so sick of hearing people when they're caught in sin blame their wife and blame their husband and blame the deacons and blame the preacher. I have been blamed for hundreds of people going to, you know, just getting out in the world. I'm sorry, I'm not taking the blame for any of them. And God ain't going to blame me neither. If you want to go to heaven, if I ain't preaching the truth, you go somewhere else. If you want to live right, Brother Donnie, I ain't shook your hand. I ain't coming back. If you want to live right, if you never shake my hand again, you'll live right. But if you don't want to live right, even Jesus ain't going to make you live right. Oh, my. Genuine sorrow and humility. When a person recognizes their sin, their sin humiliates them. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. So isn't it amazing all of his claims of worth and value are now all gone. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy heart servants. And he arose and came to his father. Praise God. And when he was a great way off, his father saw him. Praise be to God. And his father saw him and had compassion and ran. The eastern custom of old men is they are not to run. But here goes 
custom. My boy's coming back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My boy's coming back. Amen. Throw tradition out the window. Amen. Throw man-made custom out the door. My boy's coming home. I'm running. Don't say nothing about the boy running. He's still hesitant. He's still slow. He's still dreading it. He's trying to sort through his mind, depending on what kind of mind he had, thinking it all through. How, what's everybody going to say? How's everybody going to treat me? How's everybody going to treat me in church on Sunday? What, you know, what's everybody going to, oh my goodness, I don't know how to work and do it. Oh my, 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 my. You'll talk yourself out of it before you get out of the stinking hog lot if you start that way. And he ran. And fell on his neck and kissed him. I love these words, Brother Terry. You're probably a little because I know you preached on this. It says he kissed him again and again and again. Now, we're not talking about a boy that just got out of the shower. We're not talking about a boy that just come to Walmart via Walmart first, got him some new pants, you know, nice vest, a really nice plaid checkered shirt or whatever more. He comes up to his daddy, took a shower, he got an underarm, everything. Remember where he left? He left the hog lot. He stinks like the pigs. He's got mud all over his clothes. Glory to God. But his father grabbed him. His father grabbed him and hugged him and kissed him and kissed him and said, Oh, no, no, my, my boy, oh, my boy, I'm so glad to see you. I, I knew you'd come back. I knew you would, son. He was in the back part of my mind. I knew I had more than one son. I knew you'd be back. Now remember, this is the way Jesus is teaching lost. Oh, glory to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Kissed him again and again and again. And the father showed him such tenderness. And the son said unto him, Father. Now remember, he rehearsed all this. He rehearsed it every step of the way. By He laid out his speech. Oh, he dried out all the drama, everything that he was going to say. And I'm, I'm going to tell him this. And I'm going to tell him that. And I'm going to tell him. Notice. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Yes, sir. But the father said to his servants, Glory be to God. He didn't let the speech go on and on and on. You can sit around, I'm rotten, I'm no good. Why don't you shut up that stupid sermon of yours? Why don't you shut up that ignorant sermon of yours of how rotten and low down you don't believe it a bit more than I do and I ain't going to amen it. If you're tired of it, change. If you're tired of your slothfulness, change. If you ain't, shut up. Look how hard it is. Look how hard it is. So to be saved, men must resolve they are lost. And they cannot, absolutely cannot help themselves. And they respond to the Father's call. And accept what the Father's offering them, admitting they are unworthy. 
and it's over. I said, it's over. Unless, of course, you and your mind have to process it all and run through it all and you're complicating it all. Well, I don't understand. I I don't understand either. But while you're trying to figure it out, I'm going to be rejoicing and eating the fatted calf. Go ahead and rack your brain and try to understand the grace of God and try to figure out the mercy of God all you want to. I'm going to be eating, shouting, and dancing. Because when you get done, you won't understand it a bit more than I do, and I'll have more pig than you will. Well, praise God, and I'll be drinking on that heavenly wine. Glory be to God, and eating on that heavenly manna, because I just rest in what he said. But the Father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe which was the father's robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand shoes on his feet bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry in Adam we all were dead In Christ Jesus, we are alive. Notice, alive again, and that is the spirit of life. Now, I love the way this, the word here that Jesus used, for this my son was dead. Look at the Greek word, necros. Spiritually dead, destitute of a life that recognizes and is devoted to God. You understand why some of your family do and say what they do? They're dead. What do you expect out of a person in a casket? Not much, right? Don't you understand your children, your, your mates, whatever more, whenever they get away from God, they're dead. They don't have the ability to perceive even right from wrong anymore. Many of them don't. And they call that freedom? No thanks. Notice, because given up to trespasses and sins, inactive as respects of doing right, destitute of force or power, inactive or inoperative, the very same word in Matthew 8.22. Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Jesus asked the man to go preach. He said, well, Lord, my daddy died. He said, let the dead bury their dead. Let your brother that ain't born again, let your brother that don't have life, let him bury your daddy. Romans 6.13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those... Oh, glory be to God. As those that are alive from the dead. You understand why we're going in the rapture? We've done had one resurrection. We've done experience one resurrection. We were dead, but now we are alive, brother. We are not dead no more that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Ephesians 2.1 You has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Colossians 2.13 And you being dead in your sins. Oh my. And in the uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened together with him having forgiven all you, you all. Notice this now. Here, these guys are preaching dead and alive, lost and found, just like the rabbi of the apostolic church. Amen. Amen. 
Woo! Praise God. First Timothy 5, 6. She that liveth in pleasure is while she liveth. Let's stand. Let's stand. Notice verse 24 again. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to be merry. Everybody ready for this? Smyrnian church age, page 152. Now then here we are coming to a conclusion. As the eternal logos, God was manifest in the Son, and in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that eternal one was the Father manifest in the flesh, and thereby gained the title of Son. Even so, we, eternal in his thoughts, in our turn, became the many-membered, spoken word seed manifest in flesh. And those eternal thoughts now manifest in flesh are the sons of God. Even as we are so-called, we did not become seed by the rebirth. We were seed and therefore were reborn. For only the elect can be reborn. Because we were seed is the reason we could be quickened. In non-seed there is nothing to quicken. Amen. Hold this carefully in mind. Now take the next step. Redeem means to buy back. It restores to the original owner. God, by his death, the shed blood, bought back his own. He bought back the spoken word seed bride. My sheep hear my voice word and they follow me. Well, hallelujah. You always were a sheep. You never were a pig or a dog turned into a sheep. That is impossible for every kind of life produces the same kind and there is no change in species. As we were in the thoughts of God, now we're going back to the mind part now, as we were in the thoughts of God then expressed in flesh, there had to come a day. Lord have mercy. Don't tell me this man believes that we was a part of God before we became a part of our earthly mother and father before we became immortal there was a part of us that was in the realm of immortality yes that's the prodigal son that's who you really are that's the sheep that's the coin that's the redeemable part about us Anybody see which door the devil went out of? <laughs> Listen to this. As we were in the thoughts of God and then expressed in flesh. We were in the thoughts of God then expressed in flesh. There had to come a day when we would hear his voice, the word. And hearing that voice become aware of our father calling us. 
and recognized that we are the sons of God. We heard his voice and we cried out as did the prodigal son. Save me, oh my father. I am returning to thee. Praise be to God. Oh, hallelujah. There had to come a day that you recognized. A day. A day that you recognized. Oh yeah, sure, you thought you'd done it. You thought you made up your mind. You thought you'd done whatever it was. Until you're able to recognize. The beginning of your recognition was not your recognition at all. (laughs) This is part of tying us to the end time of our going away. When she can see who she is. People have believed for thousands of years down through the church ages that they were hogs changed to sheep. Never produced a rapture in 2,000 years. But it's time that people understand there was not a hog turned to a sheep or a dog turned to a sheep. But there was a part of them that was sheepy. And they were expressed in flesh. And one day they had to recognize, oh, my Lord Jesus. I'm going to read again. As we were in the thoughts of God and then expressed in flesh. As we were in the thoughts of God then expressed in flesh. So you were in the thoughts of God first. First. Then you were expressed in flesh after you left the mind of God. There had to come a day when we would hear His voice, the Word, and hearing that voice become aware Of what? Our Father calling us. And recognize that we're the sons of God. We heard this voice and we cried out as did the prodigal son. Save me. Oh my Father. I am returning. I'm returning. You can't return if you haven't come. Well I'm going back home. How are you going back home if you've never been there? Y'all going back to your natural home after, after church tonight? If you go eat or something, you going back home? Well, can you go back to my home? Say, well, I'm, I'm going back to your, to your home and you, can, you wind up going to my house. No, that's not your home. That's my home. But when you can recognize what part of that word you are and that husband, then you can recognize you was out of circulation. You was lost. He saw you in, in his mind. He saw Oh, way back yonder. Way back yonder. No atoms, no molecules, no light. We was lost. As I said at the beginning of the service, our bodies are still lost away from eternal life. I don't mean you're lost going to hell. It simply means you're out of circulation of eternal life. Your heart beats natural beats. Your eyes sees natural rays. Your hair falls out. Your teeth, you know, we get gray and whatever more. What? We're still lost from eternal life in our bodies. But our souls have heard the voice of our Father calling. And we've recognized. What will the rapture be? The rapture will be our body hearing the same voice our soul heard. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Our body hearing the same voice that Lazarus heard. Our soul has heard it, friends, but one day our body. 
Nobody's going to hear it. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can you sing that song? Are running for me? Praise God. Praise God. Oh, it wasn't what you done. It wasn't what I done. He come looking for us. Moved on your heart and your heart was so hard. Your spirit was so hard and you're so stubborn. I'm going to do it, God. I'm going to do it, church. But he just kept softening you, softening you. So I told you about that preacher not long ago. Smoking marijuana. In his kitchen. Finally able to find a light and light the marijuana. And he was just shaking, shaking, quivering. And he finally started smoking, smoking, getting that in his system. He knew about the Lord. But he backslid away from the Lord. He said when he had that, that cigarette thing, what do you call it, in between his fingers, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost come in the room where he was. He said, he said God, get out of here. Leave me alone. You want to fight? I'll fight you, God. But God didn't come to fight. God come to love him. And Carol sat across from him and his wife at the table as he was telling us this. He said, the Spirit of God just so come around him. He said, Brother Donnie, I just broke right there. Reminded me of the father. Put his arms around a boy, smell like a hog lot. Here he put his arms around another boy, smell like marijuana. Oh, we wouldn't want to even be seen with somebody like that. Oh, my Lord. Oh, I can't believe it. But you see, the father loves them so much, he'll go to the honky-tonk and get them. High on dope. High on church sanity. He'll get them. Because it's unbecoming to a shepherd to lose one sheep. Almighty God. Praise God. The great I am, immovable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord. Listen now, what he is? Victorious warrior. Oh, glory to God. Commanding King of Kings. Mighty conqueror Amen. and the only time the only time Hallelujah The only time I ever saw him run is when he ran to me Thank you, Lord God. He took me in his arms held my head to his chest said my son's come home again Wipe the tears from my eyes with forgiveness. 
Let's just rejoice together, friends. I left home. Yes, Lord God. I knew I'd broken his heart. Oh my. And I wondered then. I wondered then. Things would ever be the same. that's not where you need to be why don't you make your way leave out of where that coldness you're in leave out of that indifference that you're in well I'm waiting on God to pull me I'm waiting on God while the prodigal son wait on the Bible don't say he felt nothing the Bible don't say he felt the father pulling him from way on the other side but he realized his condition and realized he needed to come back home Some of you waiting on God, and the truth of it is God's waiting on you. Because he never left you. You left him. And he's waiting on you to come back and put forth that effort. And that's why the devil talks you out of it, service after service. Why don't you come to yourself and realize, tell yourself the truth. This ain't who I am. This ain't who I was born to be. I was born to be on fire. I wasn't born to be a church member. I wasn't born to come to Happy Valley Church and such a little bump on a pickle and never worship, never pray, never read my Bible. I was born to be a fire. I was born to be, amen. I was born to be a Holy Ghost-filled child of God that's unstoppable, unquenchable. I was born to be a fighter that'll fight against the powers of hell. I was born to be an overcomer, not a survivor. Hallelujah. 
Oh, praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, saints. I love it on my heart. I believe every word of it. I certainly do. I got carried away a while ago and forgot to get the offering. So, ushers, if you'll come at this time, we'll receive the evening offering. If you visited with us tonight, we hope you was blessed. All of our streamers, we trust you was blessed. And uh, these brothers, your money will spend just as good right now as it would two hours ago. So given this offering, and, and you can be dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Brother Harry, if you want to sing some more of that or if you've got something else on your heart you want to sing while they receive the evening offer hadn't it been wonderful to have been in church tonight oh do you appreciate the grace of God do you appreciate the mercy of the Lord amen praise the Lord God bless you tonight brother Harry sing something buddy I am a redeemed you set me free Shake off these heavy chains Wipe away every stain I'm not who I used to be I am
not who I used to be. I am redeemed. Oh, my life I have been called unworthy. of my shame and regret but when I hear you whisper child lift up your head I remember oh God you're not done with me to be the old man inside of me his day is long dead and gone because I've got a new name a new life I'm not the same and a hope that will carry me home I am I'm not who I used to be Oh, I'm not who I used to be Jesus, I'm not who I used to be I am God redeemed. 